Well, New South Wales is just over two weeks away from a state election and like any government seeking re-election, avoiding scandals or any significant disruption to services is obviously paramount. So imagine how the Perrottet government felt when the entire Greater Sydney Rail Network was brought to a standstill during peak hour yesterday, leaving tens of thousands of commuters stranded on train platforms. Now, Sydney Train says it was a component failure in its radio communication system that was behind the outage yesterday, which lasted for more than one hour. Chris Minns is the leader of the opposition. He's vying for Dominic Perrottet's job. Welcome to you, Chris. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. I think it's wrongly attributed to Mussolini about, you know, making the trains run on time. Uh, Nevertheless, it's a pretty central political promise. It couldn't have come at a worse time for the government. How would you have done anything differently? Well, look, I'm still struggling, struggling to find out, I guess, why there was such a comprehensive failure on the transport network. It put out 250,000 people. My understanding is that the redundancy built into the, the communication system didn't kick in and they had to reboot the system. I mean, I'd like to get some answers on it, um, Andy. I mean, I'm not really in a position where we've got the information we want to throw back at Dominic Perrottet, mainly just to ensure that it doesn't happen again. There are long-term problems when it comes to on-time running in New South Wales. Just uh, four out of five trains are actually on time and 20% of trains are late, which is 10% below what should be the average on-time running across the network. So there's just persistent problems with uh, the transport network in the state, which many commuters are unhappy about. In a leaders' debate just before the mass outage, Premier Dominic Perrottet argued the coalition inherited uh, from Labor a $30 billion infrastructure backlog when it came to power and that they're the ones to build the infrastructure of the future. What do you say to that? Well, look, there's a few things in that. There's uh, planning proposals in place for infrastructure over the next four years, which Labor support. There's $120 billion worth of future infrastructure over the next four years, which we've supported everything from the Southwest Metro to Metro West to the important connections to Badgerys Creek Airport. Uh, Now, they're not going to be easy projects to complete and they haven't been completed yet, but New South Wales Labor is supportive of them and we want to make sure that they're implemented. What I won't do, however, is add another 50 billion dollars on top of that in projects that are completely unfunded in the state. And I think the Premier has to be honest with taxpayers in the state, given we're $190 billion in debt, given the interest payments on that are topping $7 billion a year to have $50 billion worth of unfunded liabilities, how's he going to pay for it? And I suspect it'll be future privatisations. This is the first election in this country during this in high inflation cost of living crisis. Uh, the polls are telling us that the cost of living pressures are really top order of business for voters, particularly in Western Sydney. Uh, we've seen 10 consecutive interest rate hikes, high inflation, industrial action by workers in the education, healthcare and transport sectors. If you're elected, what can you do immediately to address the cost of living without stimulating inflation? Yeah, there's a few measures that we believe are important for the New South Wales economy. The first one is a tax cut for first home buyers. So we're going to increase the threshold from $650,000 to $800,000 for first home buyers not to pay stamp duty. We're also going to make changes in relation to a toll cap for those that need to use the toll road system in New South Wales. There's a public transport opal cap, but there's not a toll cap in place. So we're going to make sure it's $60 per week, particularly for those that live in outer Western Sydney and on the central coast that have to use toll roads to get to and from work. We're also introducing an energy security corporation. Now that's more long-term, I grant you that, but I think many consumers are sick of the roller coaster when it comes to energy prices. And we're looking down the 
looking down the runway, if you like, to make sure that when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing, there's dispatchable power for New South Wales residents. And you won't be revenue-seeking and returning to mobile speed cameras to find the revenue to fund those promises? No, no, we won't be. I mean, we need to make sure that road safety measures are, in fact, about road safety. And the New South Wales government pursued that change. There was widespread opposition to it, as you can remember, Andy, over the last two years, and they've reversed that position. Well, we're not going to reverse it back. Okay. Uh, also in the news today, we're hearing towns on the New South Wales side of the Victorian border have had uh, some of the highest concentrations of poker, uh, poker machines in the state. In fact, the Murray River LGA has uh, one poker machine for every 13 residents. Is that number really acceptable to you and your, your, uh, your party? Look, I've said from the beginning that if we were starting again, there's no way we'd distribute over 80,000 poker machines across New South Wales, and that would go doubly so, no doubt, for the Murray region um, and other parts of New South Wales where there's a high concentration. We know we need to do something about it. We have announced a comprehensive policy in relation to gambling reform and poker machine reform, everything from responsible gaming officers to third-party exclusions for family members to the banning of political donations from clubs to political parties. Many of those have been adopted by the government but we need to make sure that when we do pursue reform, it's evidence-based and we know that it works. Your trial will, uh, I think, of, what, 500 pokies. It really doesn't touch the side in terms of the social harm that it's doing to the state of New South Wales. I think it's like 0.5% of the pokies that exist in this state. And, and uh, why not support cashless gaming more broadly, uh, broader than just the trial that you've already uh, agreed on? Well, I want to make sure that the reform works. Cashless gaming is only in place in one jurisdiction in the entire world, and that's in Norway, where there's a $100 a day cap on the card. In Tasmania, they're proposing it as well, but they haven't uh, nominated a cap amount. I think it's going to be $100. In New South Wales, it's unlimited. The player decides how much that cap will be. And my concern is that there's been some independent studies that have indicated that once you divorce cash going into a machine, and it becomes a task of putting it on a card, it may exacerbate problem gambling. Now, I'm not making that claim. I don't know if that is the case, but I want to make sure... But, but even you repeating that claim does at least appear to the voters as you being cosy with the gambling lobby in this state. No, I don't think that's fair, Andy. You've asked me a direct question as to why we've pursued the policy, and I'm just explaining it. And in these circumstances, I think it's important to make sure that given those circumstances, we do pursue reform that we know works. And if it does work after a trial of 500 machines, that's what we'll pursue. But I want to make sure that we don't make the same mistakes we made with the lockout laws, where well-intentioned policy develop, development ended up being uh, detrimental to the community and re was reversed in a few years. Okay, so if your policy is to get gambling uh, donations out of the political system, has Labor accepted any donations from Clubs New South Wales in this election? We have earlier on, and I was transparent about that, but I did make the point that we would legislate it in office if we were to win on March the 25th. And from the date that I announced that policy change, we didn't collect any further donations. Chris Minns is the leader of the New South Wales opposition. He's here on RN Drive uh, because, of course, the state election is, what, two weeks away. Also, you've criticised the government's privatisation of infrastructure. What do you plan to buy back? Well, I mean, I've made it clear from the very beginning, Andy, that when it comes to the scale of the privatisations, New South Wales doesn't have the bank accounts or the balance sheet to purchase it back. But 
I think that mitigates in favour of saying don't sell any more off because this is a one-way transaction, a one-way sale. And my big fear with the New South Wales government is when you've got a $50 billion black hole, the only thing that they can really sell off that's left that gives you the quantum, the capital, to plug that black hole is Sydney Water and Essential Energy. Well, hang on. Mr Perrottet has ruled out selling off Sydney Water as recently as this month, calling it a labour scare campaign. How do you respond to that? Well, isn't that interesting? Because just prior to the 2019 election, almost exactly the same period of time away from polling day, he said the same thing. Just prior to the last state election, Mr Perrottet said, hand on heart, I've got no plans to privatise anything else in New South Wales. Straight after polling day, the toll system was sold in New South Wales, as were buses. And I think they're going to repeat the habit of a lifetime and sell it off again. Now, they've sold off $90 billion worth of assets owned by the people of New South Wales. And as recently as the last 12 months, when I've questioned the Premier in Parliament, he's been a passionate advocate for asset recycling and privatisation. He's mentioned it 50 times in one year in Parliament. So this is a recent addition to his policy platform, this privatisation reversal. But again, I just remind voters, he said the same thing four years ago. Uh, Labor needs nine more seats to form a majority government, but there's a possibility uh, there could be a hung parliament, of course. Are you willing to form a minority government with those on the crossbench? Well, I'm not going to do deals with anyone on the crossbench. Labor's running on its platform. And I just remind crossbenchers, major party leaders and anyone that's running for parliament, no one's voted yet. And I think that they're putting the cart before the horse with some of this horse trading that's taking place. We need to rely on the voters of New South Wales for them to decide who will form the next parliament. And uh, I've got no interest in doing deals about what that government would look like. I've got every right to run on Labor's platform and that's what we'd hope to implement and bring to the floor of parliament. I mean, a group of independent candidates, including Teal hopefuls, want to reform planning laws to stop gas pipelines and coal seam gas development on the Liverpool Plains. Will there be any new coal and gas projects under a Labor government in New South Wales? Yeah, well, look, I can't speak to hypotheticals. I haven't seen their communication or their media release, so I'm unwilling to kind of speculate on a policy that I haven't seen. But We'll take our platform to the floor of the New South Wales Parliament and I'm really transparent about what that includes. I stop the privatisation, rebuilding essential services and focusing on schools and hospitals. Chris Minns is the New South Wales Opposition Leader. I do appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.